It's good to see you. It's good to be here again together. Wasn't it a great time of worship this morning? And uh, if you don't know me, my name's Steve, and it's my privilege to uh, be here to share a message with you this morning. And uh, there's a number of reasons why it's great to be standing here and uh, sharing with you this morning. Um, and one which is kind of not a particularly spiritual one is that my children are just so into Star Wars at the minute. They are so into Star Wars. They kind of read books about it. They've read more books than they have watched films, actually. They haven't even watched all the films yet. But they kind of, you know, have lightsabers and have really in-depth discussions about Star Wars. And they also ask me lots of questions about Star Wars. So I'm just really appreciating having, you know, half an hour or so when nobody's going to ask me a question about Star Wars, don't you dare. <laughs> I'm just basking in this kind of Star Wars free um, kind of time to uh, share what God's put on my heart for, uh, for you. And I want to talk about this morning more. And uh, there is a, a, an important principle um, that you, you might know it in different ways, but I know it as the, the law of pizza, okay? And, and, it's the, and that, that's kind of how I received it. And it's this, if some is good, more must be better. If some is good, more must be better. And I kind of received this around pizza. Um, there might be some of you who disagree if you've kind of taken on the all-you-can-eat buffet at Pizza Hut and lost. You might feel differently about this. For some of you, it might be about ice cream or coffee. So I, I was in Starbucks this morning doing a bit of preparation. And uh, did you know if you buy filter coffee in Starbucks with your app, you get free refills? You can just stay the whole day there and just keep going back for free refills. I mean, you wouldn't sleep, obviously, but you know, that, that kind of sense of, oh, if some is good, more must be better. And, uh, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, but on things that are even more important than pizza and coffee. We're going to read a passage from the Bible, from John's Gospel. So we're in the middle of a, a series on John's Gospel at the moment, which we've called Kiss, Keep It Simple, Saints, and just about how John's Gospel speaks to us about a sweet spiritual atmosphere and an empowerment to live the great life that God has for us. And I love John's gospel. It just is so chock full of life. I love, you know, you hear so many stories from people who have maybe approached John's gospel for the very first time. And yet, as they have opened up that book, have really encountered Jesus speaking into their lives. Whether it's uh, John 3.16, one of the most famous verses from the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You know, I've heard stories of people who've just seen that verse and conviction has come on their life and faith to be able to live a different life. Or people who've like picked up the book and or whether it's like a, a Gideon's Bible in a hotel room and have started reading John's Gospel and have just encountered the living God through that. It is such a brilliant, life-giving book. And so it's brilliant that we are having this series looking at John's Gospel and it speaks to this idea of a sweet spirit atmosphere to our life. And this morning, we're going to look at John chapter 12, and uh, I'm going to focus on verse 49 and 50, but we're going to start by reading from verse 44. So the words are going to appear on the screen. Okay, John chapter 12 from verse 44. Then Jesus cried out, whoever believes in me 
does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And as we come to it afresh this morning, we pray that we would uh, receive it as the word of God that comes with power and with authority. Lord, and as we uh, hear it, as we receive it, as we say yes and amen to your word this morning, I pray that we would receive that conviction, that faith, that power to live the life that you have for us. And so, Lord, in a sense, we lay it all down before you. We lay ourselves before you this morning. And we say, speak to us, Lord. Put your life in us. Minister to us through your word and by your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so I don't want to um, blow my own trumpet, but um, <laughs> it's a bit of a loaded expression, that, isn't it? It's like when people say to you, with all due respect, you know there's something incredibly disrespectful is about to go. I don't mean to be rude, but... So I don't wish to blow my own trumpet, but I think I have a reasonable degree of intelligence, you know? <laughs> I, like, I've been to school, I've got a few university qualifications, that sort of thing. But I, I kind of come to realise that my intelligence is quite selective, you know? It's, it's on a few things, and there are lots of things that I have not got a clue how that works, which other people, more intelligent people, people with intelligence in different areas, let's just say it like that, will understand. So I know if, um, you know, if I kind of clipped Adam around the head, he would go, ow! And, and I kind of understand that. Whereas I guess, you know, people, like the medics in the room will understand what's going on inside Adam involving kind of synapses and neurons and things, maybe, I don't know. These are just words I've heard. Um, th but they would understand what's going on behind the scenes that me doing that has caused that reaction that Adam has said, ow. You know, similarly, I, I, I know that if I turn the telly on, then, you know, bright light appears and pictures on the screen. I have got no idea how that works. I have no clue about televisions and how they work. You know, I know that if I push the button in my car that says start, Usually, the car starts. I, I, whereas other people will know that under the bonnet, that has created this, which is doing that. And, you know, and I am ignorant of all those things. It's just like, I, I kind of see it on one level, and yet there's all these things going on behind the scenes and in the background. And um, we see, sort of see this kind of thing in the Bible, and there are spiritual uh, aspects and principles about that. And we see that in this passage that we looked at. So if we can just look at the very um, the start of the passage again from verse 44. So Jesus is talking here about kind of people believing in him. 
And on the one hand, that's kind of simple. You understand that people are sort of trusting in Jesus and at the time he was there and stood in front of them. And yet he reveals there's something deeper going on because they don't just believe in him, but in the one who sent me. So in this sense of believing in Jesus leads to more. They're believing also and putting their trust in God, the heavenly father, the one who made everything and who rules everything. And he says there's, there's more actually when, when they see him and when they believe in him, actually they step into light. They move out of darkness and into light. There's more going on than that kind of simple belief in Jesus. And he also uh, it talks about um, judgment. And he says, if people hear my words and don't keep them, I don't judge them. But, and he goes on in verse 48 to say, it's not me who judges, but the very words themselves have got power to judge. When you hear it, then it's like you're hearing something which has power and authority in and of itself. And it tells us that God's word has power and authority. There's something deep. I'm not just kind of hearing a message and it's like, well, I can weigh it up. But it comes to our life with power and authority. There is something deeper going on here under the scenes. And it's really important that we appreciate that God's word has power and authority. And God has power and authority. And right at the very beginning, um, we see when the enemy attacks Adam and Eve, he causes them to, um, to stop believing in the power and the authority of what God spoke. And it continues into our lives. And there is this kind of constant battle in terms of believing in God's power and authority. And Jesus says that actually beyond the surface of what we see and what we hear, there is this uh, dynamic. And it's really important that we appreciate that God's word has power and authority. And if you've been a, a Christian for some time, you might well have experienced this in your own life or when you've been, you know, maybe in a meeting like this or when you've been reading the Bible for yourself. I can think of times in my life where I've been reading the Bible and it's like God has just really brought his word to my life with power and authority. And it, it kind of feels a bit like, have you ever watched those movies where um, they do this kind of funny like zoom thing, I think it's called like a dolly zoom or a reverse zoom, where, where basically the camera pulls away and it zooms in at the same time and so that a person's face suddenly appears in focus. So there's a famous scene in, um, in Jaws where the, the guy is stood on the beach and he kind of sees it and you see this zoom as everything else in the background just goes blurry and his face and the panic on his face zooms in and it's just like, Whoa, something has just got my attention. And sometimes when we read the Bible, we have this kind of experience of boom, because God's word has power and authority. And sometimes it can be challenging and it can be convicting. I remember, um, well, <laughs> too many to mention, um, but like times where I've been reading the Bible and, and you know, read a verse and it's like God has just put his finger on, I don't know how I'm judgmental or something and in a moment it just becomes so obvious and you can't imagine how you didn't understand it before but in that moment God speaks through his word and it has power and it has authority and you see it and you believe that things can be different and it can be really positive as well I remember early on in my uh, walk as a Christian uh, reading uh, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 uh, which talks about um, 
God is faithful. He will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. But when we are tempted, he will provide a way out so that we can stand up under it. And just understanding in that moment, you know what? I don't have to be you know, in this cycle of sin. I don't have to be stuck in the rut that I found myself, that I don't have to give in to the temptations that I feel. There is hope. There is that opportunity. Kara started the meeting by talking about change. And the message of the Bible is that we are able to change. And I remember as a new Christian seeing this and the penny dropping. I can change. I don't have to be stuck in a rut. So God's word has power and authority. And that's just preamble to, uh, to the kind of two verses that I want to look at specifically, which is in John chapter 12 and verse 49 and 50. Can we read it again? So it says, uh, Jesus says, I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. And I want to bring out three things on the theme of of more. So my title this morning, if you're making notes, is The Message of More. And I've got three things that I want to say. I want to talk about the life of more, the offer of more, and then the experience of more. So we've talked about how the word has power and authority. And what we see in this Uh, in these two verses is that the word has power and authority to bring eternal life to us, to bring eternal life. And so I want to just talk about and explain what eternal life is. And it's brilliant because there are other verses in John's gospel that speak about this. So in John chapter 10 and verse 10, I think probably got the verse on here, Jesus says, if the thief comes only to steal and kill And destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus here describes a quality of life. I don't know whether this is true for you, but in kind of my experience, there are all sorts of things that can suck life out of us, or that can drain life and kind of weigh heavy on us. I don't know whether you experience this too. And sometimes it's just that you, know, you get to the, the end of the day and it's just like, oh, what, you know, one more thing, one more question about Star Wars. No, not one more question about Star Wars. But um, you know, we're in the, we're, we've just moved house on Friday. And so you know, living in a, a house which, um, you know, let's just say it needs a little bit of attention. And, uh, and so you know, kind of working hard and moving stuff and unpacking stuff and you get to the end of the day and it's just, oh, I really need a shower. And then you discover that your new shower, well, I think shower kind of suggests some sort of propulsion, does it? it? I think it's more of a demonstration of the power of gravity, if, if anything else. There's some water up here and it kind of falls to the ground. And it's just like after you're tired and you're weary, you just, no. oh, you know, there are kind of people who like speak in such a way that they just suck the life out of you. And, and you can't, there's all these temptations to, to suck life. And Jesus says that he comes to bring the opposite. He comes to bring something different. Life that is abundant, overflowing, effervescent, full of life. Full of life. That word, just the word life brings that picture, doesn't it? Of, of kind of something 
uh, you know, abundant. Pastor Clive has talked before about, you know, if you want to see life, you go to the maternity ward and not to the graveyard. You know, the graveyard might be nice and ordered and quiet, but it's dead. In the maternity ward, it is loud and it is bustling and there is chaos, but there is life. Jesus came that we could have life. Jesus came that we could have life. There's another verse in John's Gospel, John chapter 17 and verse 3, that talks about how this life is relational. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life is not just about things going well, but it is a, a quality of life. It is a relational thing. It is about knowing God, knowing the one who has perfect love, knowing the one who has the power and authority and whose heart is for your good and for your blessing. He wants to bring healing to your life. He wants to take you when the enemy is attacking you, he wants to steal and kill and destroy. He wants to bring good things into your life. Are you kind of getting the picture of, of eternal life? Whereas the, the kind of, uh, you know, we might get used to an expectation where it's sort of, you know, it's head down and it's a burden. Like eternal life is much more, you know, it's like you're in a musical or something, you know, swinging arms or kind of going like that and stuff like that. It's, it's overflowing. It's abundant life. And sometimes we think of, or it's possible to think of eternal life just as like life that goes on forever. And, and eternal life and knowing God uh, certainly is that. It is a, a kind of life that does not die and it does not perish and it does not fade. But it is about quality as well as quantity. And uh, it's a bit like, it's a kind of very simple illustration, but uh, it's kind of like juice, you know, squash, that sort of thing. So here is a bottle of squash and uh, one litre. And uh, it says you need to mix one part of this to four parts of water. And you might there thinking, yeah, but I need more juice than that. And, and really, kind of, there's, there's two options, aren't there? So you could just get a bigger bottle of juice, like two litres or, you know, three litres or something like that, and then you've got more of it. But also, you get this kind of double concentrate, whereas actually you could have the same amount of juice, but it goes much further. And eternal life is like having both of those things. It is more concentrated. You get more out of it and it lasts longer, it is bigger, it is more abundant. God's eternal life for us is overflowing, effervescent life. It is about quality and it is about quantity. Isn't that awesome? That God's heart for us is to have more, is to have a quality of life which is so different to often what we see around us. And so that's my kind of first point, really, the life of more, understanding this eternal life that God has for us. And the second thing is about the offer of more. And so we read in that passage in John chapter 12 about how Jesus is commanded to, um, to speak about this. He says, I don't speak on my own, but I only speak what the Father gives me. To speak, And there's this sense of, of he is, is kind of bringing a message about eternal life. And you can understand why. If we've said that eternal life is in contrast to what the enemy brings, if eternal life is about having a relationship with God, you understand, don't we? That's what Jesus was all about. That's what Jesus came to enable. 
You know, it reflects the fact that each and every one of us was made for this eternal life, for this kind of quality, for this type of quantity of life. We were made to have a relationship with God. We were made to have a relationship with God. We were created for this eternal life of more. And yet the Bible tells us that each and every one of us has said no to God, has you know, trusted in our own power and authority rather than God's. Just like Adam and Eve kind of uh, you know, d- decided not to follow what God said and to do their own thing, each and every one of us has done that. And it's kind of like suddenly we miss the point. It's like having you know, this incredible uh, piece of art like the Mona Lisa and turning it on its side and using it as a tea tray. You know, it kind of works, but you're missing the point, this incredible piece of art, and that God made us for for awesome purposes. And yet when we miss the point, we just kind of are involved in mundane activities. And Jesus came to enable us not to just go on living a mundane life and not go walking along with our head down, but to live this effervescent, abundant, incredible life, to experience what it truly means to have a relationship with God. And Jesus did that by dying on a cross for us. We talked about it before, but let's just remind ourselves of what it says in John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God's heart and passion and the reason Jesus came was so we could have eternal life. So if you are kind of walking along and you recognize that your life has become head down, drudgery, under the circumstances, God's heart was such that he sent Jesus so that we could have eternal life, so that we wouldn't be under the circumstances, so that we would be on top of the circumstances, tap dancing on the circumstances, celebrating on top of the circumstances. His heart is that we would have eternal life. And that is why Jesus came. John chapter 5 also speaks about Jesus coming to enable us to have eternal life. And in verse 24, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And so Jesus here speaks about this, and he says, reveals that God sent him to bring eternal life. But there's a really important aspect here, that it is not automatic. It is not just kind of, it, it happens in the background like, whatever goes on in Adam when I hit him and he says, ow, that there is a decision to be made. Jesus says, whoever believes in me. And eternal life is something to be received. It is something to be grasped. It is something to be lived. And it, you know, you might be here this morning and you've not heard this message before. And maybe you're not sure whether you'd call yourself a Christian or not, or you're not sure whether you have eternal life. God's heart for you this morning is that you would absolutely embrace, receive, and live this eternal life. But it doesn't just happen in the background. It requires us to make a decision and to put our trust in Jesus. So that's the second point, the offer of more. And just as Jesus said, he was commanded to bring this offer and this message, so too um, we need to hear it and we need to respond to it 
But also, um, we need to, like Jesus, share it. Because there's, there's something really interesting here, that Jesus talks about a commandment that has come to him, and that commandment being eternal life. And I think there's two prongs to this. So one is actually the message, and that that brings eternal life, because it has power and authority to bring conviction and faith. But there is also the command that came to Jesus to speak this message, and that there was eternal life, and there was life and abundance in him sharing it. And you know what? That is true for us as well. It's really important that we hear and respond to this message about the importance of uh, eternal life. But do you know what? As we speak it and as we share it, we also experience life and abundance and effervescence. And, and it's a bit like... Um, I'm always so profoundly impacted when I hear about forgiveness. And, you know, when you, you kind of see um, interviews with people who've gone through horrendous experiences and who get to a place where they say, I'm willing to forgive. I'm willing to forgive this person for what they did to me. I'm willing to forgive this person for what they did to my son or my family. And I think it is, it is always so impacting because sadly, it is so unusual, isn't it? It's, it? it's understandable about how people are traumatized and left kind of angry and bitter about injustice when horrible things happen to them and the people they care about. And I think that's one of the reasons why it is so, so impacting when you hear about you know, parents or individuals who say, I'm willing to forgive that person who killed my son. I'm willing to forgive that person who abused me. For about what they have done. And it's so unusual and it's so impacting. And there's a really interesting thing about um, forgiveness that, well, sometimes we talk about unforgiveness being um, it's sort of counterintuitive because often what happens if you kind of have unforgiveness in your heart towards someone, sometimes it's a bit like kind of drinking the poison and expecting the other person to die. You feel like it's wrong to, to kind of forgive someone for the wrong they've do, done. But so often it's us that kind of ends up kind of, you know, captive to the thoughts of what have happened and bound up and bitter and twisted by it. And there is something so powerful when we forgive people, just in saying, you know, I forgive you, that there's a sense in which it kind of releases the other person from any guilt or any shame or kind of anything they were carrying. You know, it does us such good as well because it kind of releases us from ongoing feelings of bitterness and, uh, you know, harshness. And it's kind of, it, it blesses them and it blesses us. It's like when we say, I'm sorry to someone, it, it kind of, you know, does something good for them and it does something good for us. And there's this kind of thing in, in sharing the gospel with people. It's... Um, it's like a, a kind of reverse of, um, I don't know whether you ever heard of, like in the, in the 60s, at the, uh, um, in the midst of the Cold War, there was this kind of concept which was called mutually assured destruction. And it was essentially that, that kind of all the, the superpowers had enough nuclear weapons that if anyone started a fight, they would like, you, the whole world would be destroyed. No one would attack America because America would attack back. And everyone would get destroyed, but they know that you know, we've got enough nuclear weapons to destroy you. And, and this kind of mutually assured destruction, if one person kind of goes for it, then everyone's 
going to die. And it's kind of like in the gospel, there is this kind of reverse of that. It's like this mutually assured blessing that when we speak the message of eternal life, not only does it offer the opportunity of blessing and life and liberty for our hearers, but it does us good as well. Life comes to us because the commandment is eternal life, Jesus says. And, uh, you know, I can think of a few times where I have experienced it. And particularly when, I don't know, sometimes when I'm talking to people about my faith, I sort of feel the need to, you know, like kind of dance around the issue a little bit or, or kind of edge it. And there's been some times where I've just kind of felt the release just to really kind of go for it. Um, and it just feels so good to be able to, you know, not kind of uh, like dance around the issues, but just say, this is, this is kind of, where we are as humanity, this is what Jesus came. You need to receive this. You need to do that. And if you don't, then the consequences are tragic, awful, you know, unthinkable and eternal. And, and there is a kind of a life and an empowerment and a, a kind of good feeling that comes when we do this. It works both ways, life for the giver and life for the receiver. You know, we kind of see this in other areas as well. You know, so I, I quite like, um, I quite like cooking for people. Um, and uh, so, as I said, we've been um, uh, moving house this weekend, and uh, and so you know, over the past few weeks, um, people have been asking, and and it's kind of coming up to my birthday, and every year I put on this birthday brunch where you know we try to set the new record of how many people we can fit into my kitchen eating sausage sandwiches uh, in one go, and and so kind of people have been asking recently about. Um, Oh, yeah, you know, how's, how's the move and have you got a date? But it's a bit like, you know, when your boss says, oh, are you busy at the minute? You know there is a, you know, second question coming up. And all these people have been asking, is, oh, yeah, how's the house moving? And you know it's just a kind of preamble to the main question they're asking is, what's happening with birthday brunch this year? When is it? Is it still going to happen? Can I still come and gorge myself on pastries and sausages? Um, but but I, I kind of... <laughs> leaving them hanging, leaving them hanging. Um, but, but it's kind of, I really enjoy doing that. I enjoy, you know, feeding people and, um, you know, giving nice food to people. And hopefully people enjoy being there and receiving it. And, you know, when we preach the gospel, when we explain to people this incredible message, there is, it's charged with power and potential to do them good. But you know what? It does us such good as well. And in this kind of atmosphere of, of kind of just being in a sweet spirit atmosphere. This is a message that isn't about programs. This isn't a message about some kind of uh, evangelistic campaign or anything like that. It's a message that says that kind of life comes to us when we talk about the thing that's most important to us. And when we talk about Jesus, actually we get energized, we get buzz, we get, we get life. So I want to offer you a challenge this week. It's a challenge about life. And, uh, and there are kind of three possible ways in which you can respond to this challenge. So, if we can... so the first thing is about receive. Do you know what? If you're here this morning and you have never received the eternal life that God has for you, my challenge is receive it. Yeah. You want to experience this overflowing, abundant life, this life that is truly life, then there is an opportunity to do that this morning. The second thing is about 
living it. We um, just before the meeting, we were uh, we were praying, and uh, there was a real kind of sense of. Uh, you know, God really wanting to speak to people, you know, a bit like kind of Andy's word at the start of the meeting as well, about kind of people living under the toadstool uh, or the, the, kind of, uh, the fungus, that actually there are so many things that we can get used to in life, that maybe we've, we've received Jesus into our life and we know him and we have a relationship, but actually there can be areas of our life where we're not experiencing that life or, or kind of it feels like it's quite a surface level like we're all kind of happy and, and jovial on the surface and then when we get into our front door it's just like oh. and God wants us to be dancing and singing wherever we are because he wants to come from the inside out and not just to put on a show and to go through the motions of others and if there are areas in your life where you are not experiencing God's effervescent, overflowing, abundant life, his heart and desire is that you would know it and it would come out of your relationship with him. So the the second way in which you can respond to this challenge is to live it and then the third one is to share it. Because actually, if you want to receive more life, if you want to get more of that, that buzz, then there is does something good for us when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about the thing that matters most to us. So there's a challenge. Receive it, live it, share it. And whichever stage you're at, there is something there for you to respond to. And so I'm going to invite us to stand and I want to pray for us. And ask God to really help us to respond to his word that, remember, has power and authority. It speaks to us in a way that demands a response. It has authority, but it has power. It enables us to do the thing that we've been asked to do. So, Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that we can receive it with power and authority. And just as we've been speaking and praying this morning about the importance of having our physical sight healed, I want to pray this morning, Lord, that you would help us to see it, to get it, to know it, to, to kind of come into, it would come into focus like that kind of cinema technique that suddenly, immediately, we would see it and we would see ourselves in your word and we would understand that this is a message not just for people in general but for me that God so loved me that he gave Jesus so that I could have life life in abundance life overflowing life that is truly life Lord we want to repent for the times where we have settled or second best for the times when we have you know put on a show of life but really on the inside we're crying out in pain or where you know that we're content with some areas to be you know really good but there are other areas Lord which are like a kind of shut off wing of the house where no one ever goes and it sits in darkness Lord that's not the life that you've called us to. And I want to pray, Lord, I want to say sorry for the times when we've settled for that. And I want to pray this morning, Lord, that you would bring faith 
and conviction that actually we can experience your life in every area of our lives. Lord, to not be content to, um, you know, live in the graveyard. It might be quiet and it might be ordered, but it's dead. You know, or to sit in the cover of that, that toadstool, which might provide some cover and some shelter, but it is diseased and it is not good for us. And Lord, we believe there is a better way in you. So Lord, I want to pray right now that you would put your finger on areas in our lives where we've accepted second best, where we've accepted, Lord, less than abundant life, where we have accepted less than the very best that you have for us. And we want to say sorry, Lord, and we want to agree with you, Lord, that that's not your best, that you have a great heart, a great plan, great vision for our lives. Your plan, your will is good and it's pleasing and it's perfect and we want to embrace it and we want to live in it. So Lord, would you help us to say no to that? I wonder whether um, can lead us in a prayer to pray that and just to uh, really, in really simple words, express that to God to say, I'm sorry for accepting uh, less than the best and to say, Lord, you know, want to receive your eternal life. And whether you're praying that prayer for the first time and that you want to become a Christian, you want to become a follower of Jesus and experience this life, or whether you've been walking with the Lord for years and years and years, but you recognize there is an area of your life that has never been opened up to him, then we can use this prayer to do that. So would you repeat after me? Father God, thank you for the offer of life. I'm sorry for, I'm sorry that I have not received it as fully as I should. Please forgive me and help me to experience your life. Amen. We want to really pray about this, this call to experience life in the sharing as well as the receiving. And Lord, I want to pray for each and every one of us. Lord, I want to pray for a, a, a kind of fresh um, experience of life in talking about you. Lord, we recognize that the enemy comes to kill and steal and destroy. And a part of that is removing the joy of testifying about Jesus and speaking about him. Lord, we want to pray for a fresh release. And we want to pray as we do that this week, we would experience your life your life, Lord, that we would experience and actually we'd be helping others to experience eternal life. We want to pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to uh, encourage you, if you have received that life for the very first time this morning, please come and talk to me. I'd like to talk to you about how you can go on from here, about how you can really kind of keep on living this awesome life that God has for you.